Hello, everyone. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast. I'm Kyle Swope, and joining me is my co-host, Colin Donato. Today, we are discussing our thoughts, making up a review for The Suicide Squad. So, before we jump into that, Colin, how are you doing? Great. And you? Cool beans. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in there, hanging tough. I'm glad we're putting out some content. I will say, um, before we dive into the topic at hand, this is almost going to be like a two-parted episode because we're going to simultaneously back-to-back be talking The Suicide Squad, and then we're going to go right into Peacemaker since Season 1 just finished up not too long ago. So we're going to be diving into that. Uh, Next episode will be Peacemaker. We're filming them back-to-back, though. So next week, stay tuned for our Peacemaker Season 1 review. It's going to be quite exciting. So here's what I wrote describing the plot of The Suicide Squad, okay? The Suicide Squad follows an all-star cast of supervillains that mostly get killed off in the first 10 minutes on a quest to kill a giant Cyclops fish. Yeah, that that covers it. Yes, thank you. Uh, I wrote that like 10 minutes before we recorded. Anyways, um, so very interesting. So Colin, in general, here's how we always tend to start these things off. Did you like this movie? And yes or no, explain your reasoning just in general. Uh, I have to say absolutely yes. And because James Gunn is one of the like best directors out there, especially when it comes to like action comedy movies, so like Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and I'm recently The Suicide Squad, and then, of course, Peacemaker. But his comedy has perfect timing, great action sequences, and always an all-star cast. And that's what this movie was. Oh, yes, fantastic. Well, I'm happy to say that I'm no longer going to be the uh, the uh, negative Nancy because I loved this movie as well. thought it was fantastic. It was great. Uh, basically, all the same reasons that Colin pointed out. Uh, the cast was fantastic. James Gunn is just a great director, period. Um, let me put it like this. I have never watched something made by James Gunn that I did not like. Uh, and this is absolutely no exception. Uh, I also, I love music too, and I just really like the use of music in this film as well. Um, but yes, really fun. Um, I'm sure Kanye is probably enjoying watching Pete Davidson's face get blown off over and over again. Um, <laughs> couldn't help myself but slip that one in because he's one of the people that die in the first 10 minutes, as I mentioned previously. Yeah, he's a blackguard. Yes, blackguard. He's a Booster Gold villain, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, re- I looked him up for a little bit because I'm like, most of the characters in this movie, I've never, well, I mean, like, maybe I've heard of them, but I don't know, like, anything about them, like, at all. But, like, mm-hmm. Blackguard, I never heard of. Um, Peacemaker, I've definitely seen somewhere before, before this movie, but I don't know anything about him. Um, and then, like, obviously, you know, Harley Quinn, that's the, Harley Quinn and King yeah, Shark. Everyone. Harley Quinn's like a family household name by now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Everyone's familiar with Harley Quinn. And then King Shark, like if you ever watched like The Flash, you know who King Shark is. Um, yeah, he first appeared, King Shark first appeared in Superboy number zero. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it's an easy first appearance to find. It's like pretty cheap. So any comic collectors out there. Nice. I'll need to note that actually because now I'll need to look. But um, King Shark, is it? I feel like he's mostly seen as a Flash villain now, isn't he? Yeah, because of the Flash TV show. But he's kind of just like a... He's more of like an Aquaman villain in the comics. Okay. Like, a few years ago. I think he's just more of a... Just a... 
Shark God now. Mm-hmm. He just had his, a new series came out right after the Suicide Squad movie called The Suicide Squad King Shark, which was like his own little journey story, like in this battle against other like animal, human like monsters. Yeah. That's, like a tournament. That's interesting. Also, um, I'd like to point out, and I'm sure people have done this already, but I have to say this anyways. There are a lot of parallels we can draw to this movie and Guardians of the Galaxy. Because in a way, this is a uh, this is a R-rated Guardians of the Galaxy with DC characters. Um, yeah. You both have your lovable, dumb, big CGI characters voiced by a celebrity with a deep voice. Um, I can. I didn't think about that at all. Until you said it, I never thought about that. Oh yeah. Well, so I okay. Unlike the past two reviews we did, because I liked this movie, I rewatched it last night, and I just I noticed that. It was really interesting. Also, they made Polka Dot Man interesting, okay? Yeah. You got to give credit to that because Polka Dot Man is one of those villains that you always point out as being just really, like, weird and pathetic, um, which DC surprisingly has a lot of those villains. But, yeah, James Gunn is just the perfect person to handle those characters because mm-hmm. it's sort of like I like to draw this parallel. You ever watch the cartoon Batman the Brave and the Bold? Yeah. Okay, you know how they handled Aquaman? a while since I watched it. Okay, well, the thing I loved about Aquaman and Batman the Brave and the Bold is they make him really cheesy and campy intentionally for comedic reasons. Um, and they kind of do the same thing with, like, Polka Dot Man and stuff. So I like to point that out because in the Brave and the Bold, he had this really sort of obnoxious catchphrase, which was outrageous, he would say, like, all the time. Um and yeah, it was it was hilarious because they knew that Aquaman was kind of a ridiculous character, so they played into that. Um, and James Gunn is just really good at doing that in general. And not to mention, like, all the characters in the... Again, except for Harley Quinn and maybe King Shark. All of those characters are characters that I've only either just heard of or, like, don't know anything about pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, we mentioned uh, Blackguard, Pete Davidson, Booster Gold villain... Like, first of all, most, like, super casual fans never even heard of Booster Gold. And second of all... Booster Gold's one of my favorite heroes. I know, Booster Gold is incredible once you know who he is. But, yeah, a, yeah. Lot, of, a lot of, like, very casual, only watch the movie types, never heard of him. Um, but to have a Booster Gold villain who... I think when I looked him up, he only appeared in the comics, like, two or three times before he died. Yeah, he's not a... He's in the... He first appears in Booster Gold number one, and I think he dies not too long after that. Yeah, because I looked it up and I only saw... Because he did join the Suicide Squad from the little bit of research I did, um, which is where he died. Um, But, yeah. On the bright side, I will say the death... There were two deaths in this movie that I really had a hard time with. And the first one was Captain Boomerang. Yeah. Yeah, because Captain Boomerang, like, he's he's an iconic Flash villain. So seeing him die, I was just kind of like, ooh, that's kind of rough. Yeah, I actually did like um, I think it's Jay Courtney or Jai Courtney, however you say it. Mm-hmm. I loved him as Captain Boomerang too. And usually, like oh, yeah. all of his movies are pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Anything he's in never turns out to be really good. But I actually did like him and as Captain Boomerang a lot. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, also another thing we should probably talk about is um, this movie versus its. I don't want to call it a prequel, but because when I when I hear prequel, I think of a movie made after 
movie made after the movie it's based on, but it's supposed to take place before. Yeah. The first Suicide Squad. The first Suicide Squad. Yeah, we're just going to call it the first Suicide Squad. Now, I don't know what your opinion was of it. I didn't like it. I watched like three-fourths of it, and then I got bored, turned it off, and haven't gotten back to it. Will Smith and like Margot Robbie is the only good parts of the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like the first Suicide Squad movie, it was not a good movie, but there were things about the movie I liked. Um, uh-huh. Again, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, uh, Will Smith as Deadshot, that was nice. Uh, and then Captain Boomerang, once again. Like, I didn't... He's not like a character that really, like, stood out, but I I was happy with the interpretation we got, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, it wasn't a big standout. So seeing him die, I was just kind of like... I wasn't heartbroken like the other death, which we'll get to in a minute, but um, I was still very, you know, unhappy. Um, but thankfully, it's, aren't there... In the comics, there's at least two Captain Boomerangs, right? And also, of course, we have the Flash movie coming out that's going to completely change the yeah. DC universe. Well, we know that could bring him back to life. Or Oh, yeah, probably. Um, it was nice, however, in the first Suicide Squad, seeing the Flash in the little flashback when Captain Boomerang was getting yeah. murdered. So that was nice. Um. But and it's really weird how this movie feels so disconnected from the rest of the DCEU and the first Suicide Squad movie. Like the only com- connections they really have to the first Suicide Squad movie is the premise: um, Amanda Waller, Rick Flag, Harley Quinn, um, and that's basically it. Yeah. Like, I cannot... Th- really, there's no mention or anything to it at all. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, it's probably for the best. Because... Yeah. Yeah. As we mentioned, it was not very good. Um, But going back to what I was talking about before with the deaths. So, here's something James Gunn can do really well, okay? He can take a character that either you don't like or that you didn't care for. And over the course of one movie, make you really feel for them. And make them, like, one of your favorites. So, the second death, Rick Flagg. When Rick Flagg died, I was really emotional. It was, unexpe- it was unexpected. Oh, yeah. Like, he was a huge jerk in the first movie. And then, like, in this movie, he's just, like, completely different, but not too different to the point where it's, like, he's a completely different character. He's just, like, the same, yeah. but just less of a jerk. I think that's him growing with the squad, too, like, working with them. Oh, yeah. A lot. And I think seeing his relationship with Harley Quinn as well um, sort of humanizes him a lot. Um, yeah. Like, you know when they go to bust out Harley, but she already breaks out? Um, just that whole scenario, and if she gives him the big hug and he's just kind of awkward about it. Like, I don't know. Because mm-hmm. it, it, he's got a purse. It's almost like it's personal. Like, he has personal relationships with some of these people. Um you know, they also mention in the movie that Rick Flagg's the one who personally suggested to bring Bloodsport in. Because apparently he worked with him somewhere. Which, hold on a second. So, Rick Flagg's in, he's military, obviously. But Bloodsport, mm-hmm. isn't he ex-military? I can't, I'm not sure what his origin in the movie was. Because I know in the comics, like, he was, um... He was, he was ex-military. He was a Vietnam veteran, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Either him or his brother's a Vietnam veteran, and he was, like, brainwashed by Lex Luthor to kill Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, which is where we get the I'm not sure what his origin in the movie was. Yeah, I, I think it's supposed to be like the same thing, just they upgraded, you know, like his tech and stuff. I love his weapons. Oh, yeah. That was, How his suit is just all weapons. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, so I absolutely, if we're talking Bloodsport in general, the whole redesign for him is just awesome, period. Like, I could just fanboy about it forever, but I'm just going to put it like this to put it really plain and simple. Uh, in Fortnite, that is my favorite Fortnite skin I own is Bloodsport. And I own all, like, I mean, not all, but a good majority of all the, like, DC and Marvel skins that are in Fortnite. But Bloodsport's the one that I keep putting on and just, I feel so awesome wearing it. I had no idea he was even in it. Oh, yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it's, it's very. I don't know if he's come back to Fortnite since they were originally promoting the movie. Um, but yeah, it just. I do not regret buying that skin at all. It's awesome. Also, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you know the helmet is based off um, the uh, Xenomorphs from Alien. I knew it had like a familiarity to it, but I couldn't like put it up. It, that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's like it's dome and it's blank on the top, and then it's got like a skull. Like on the bottom part, then like the mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and apparently they just took that design from Alien. So I hear. I forget where I heard that, but I heard it, and I'm like, that makes too much sense to be false. So I just kind of rolled mm-hmm. with it. And he, oh, he's such an awesome character in the movie too. Probably my fa- favorite character. I like because he like replaces the whole Deadshot role and has like the fatherly figure role. Yeah, but kind of does it a lot better in this. Definitely. Well, another thing that I think... Idris Elba does a great job, too. Oh, yeah. Idris Elba is just... He's a great actor, period. So, you know. Uh, He's going to be playing Knuckles in Sonic 2. Let's go. I can't help myself there. But, yeah. Shoot, what was it? Oh, that's right. Another thing that was really good about this movie that they were able to avoid is, obviously, getting Idris Elba to come in and be Bloodsport and... I don't know if they, I don't know if they wanted to get Will Smith back at all, or if they just couldn't get him back. I don't know what the deal was. There was a uh, there was a conflict, like a scheduling conflict. Oh, okay. Well, basically, you're taking a character that's almost copy and paste Deadshot, and how do you get around him being an obvious copy and paste of Deadshot? The way that they did it was like very creative and very funny, because um, it's basically Peacemaker is how they pull it off because it's like Amanda Waller has a bunch of people in her arsenal who are all exactly the same so like Deadshot, mm-hmm. Bloodsport, Peacemaker and I don't know I just think that was funny like the, um, when they introduced Bloodsport mm-hmm. and they like um, explain his backstory and then they explain Peacemakers and they're like wait like what mm-hmm. and then we get the meme from that scene he does mm-hmm. exactly what I do but better <laughs> I know that that was really good, and then it also then it, it did two things. It not only fixed that problem, but it also set up the whole blood sport peacemaker rivalry that they had throughout the whole movie, mm-hmm. um, which was fantastic. Let's talk about peacemaker for a second before we get into the movie. Of course, not the movie. Sorry, the the series. Peacemaker he really doesn't do a whole lot in the movie if you sit and think about it until the end. Yeah, when he kills. The best character. Yeah, when he kills Rick Flag, which again was upsetting, but made him really interesting. But I'm really glad 
that it gets flushed out in Peacemaker. And after watching Peacemaker and then coming back and rewatching The Suicide Squad, it really helps me see the character in a new perspective. Because uh-huh. he's... How should I describe it? I almost see him now in The Suicide Squad as someone who's looking for a place to belong. And so I think him following Amanda Waller's orders makes him think, oh, I'm going to be... Like it's almost like he's looking for her approval without actually. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah. Um. So I I think that's really interesting when you have that perspective of the character, um, being flushed out a little bit more in Peacemaker and then coming back. It's really interesting. Um, seeing the Suicide Squad like before Peacemaker was made, but like knowing the show was going to be out, I remember in theaters I was like, man. So he gets shot and like dies. I'm like, I was happy he died because I hated his character. Like he was, I hated him in that movie. And then they have the end credits scene. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's still alive. Oh, yeah. It's like, how are they going to do this show with like this worst character in the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of viewed Peacemaker as a character I loved to hate. So like anytime he was on screen, I thought it was very interesting and entertaining, but he was a complete jerk and I didn't like him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And John Cena's like comedy is perfect too. Like oh. the way he delivers it and stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. One scene where he's just, like, standing in his underwear, I was just, like, cracking up laughing. Like, everyone else is, like, fully dressed, and he's just, like, completely naked. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, see, John Cena, like, I haven't really seen him in a whole lot, and I didn't quite understand why everyone loves him so much. Not that I'm hating on him or anything. But I have a new appreciation for his um, acting abilities after both the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. Again, I don't want to be talking about Peacemaker too much because this is the Suicide Squad review. I guess we haven't talked about uh, Ratcatcher 2 yet. Yeah, and um, I, I loved Ratcatcher, loved Ratcatcher 2. And I remember um, in her flashback, mm-hmm. like with uh, her dad, the first Ratcatcher, mm-hmm. I was looking at her dad and I was like, that guy looks so familiar. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's Taika Waititi. Exactly. And I was like, what is, is like, you're just randomly there. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't notice that until and, that last scene that her dad was uh, Taika Waititi. Um, mm-hmm. Like during the final battle when she's swarming the rats and there's like that flashback she has. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, that makes sense. I heard he was going to be in this movie. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, and Ratcatcher Two is like a lovable character too. Oh, and yeah. um, you see, Idris Elba's Bloodsport kind of play like a fatherly figure mm-hmm. role to her, as he like always kind of failed as a father to his own daughter, but now. That'll probably change with how he was a father figure to Ratcatcher 2. Oh, yeah, definitely. But my question is, are we ever going to see that followed up? Like, because, you know, with the way the movie ends and we see, you know, them basically revenge blackmailing Amanda Waller to let him walk free so they don't reveal the uh, Project Starfish Starro stuff. Um, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's like, are we going to see what happens to, I mean, obviously Harley Quinn's probably going to break off and do a Harley Quinn thing. Um, which that's what I hope happens. Yeah, we already got a Hollywood movie pretty much. So. Oh, yeah. Um, there's that. And then, like, what does King Shark do? I have no idea. And then what would uh, Bloodsport and Ratcatcher do? Like, would they stick together or would they split off? I'm sure um, Bloodsport would go back to his daughter. And there has to be some sort of plan there. Yeah. For, like, well, DC's plan. Or, DC doesn't. I don't know if DC even has a plan, so. That's true. Well, I think they had a plan, and then they th- they thought 
that that plan wasn't working. So then they threw out the plan and then they started just making movies without a plan. And then they're like, okay, here's the new plan. Here's the flash. We're going to reboot everything. But yeah, the DC, the DC movies are a mess. Um, as painful as it is for me to say, because you know, I personally like DC better than Marvel. And so the fact that their movies are not doing well, I don't like, but again, what can I say about it? Nothing really, because it's true that Marvel's <laughs> movies have been better in general. Um, over the past few years. It's also interesting to note, though, um, this is sort of a friendly neighborhood podcast thing, but it feels nice taking a break from talking about Marvel. I'm glad we're actually talking about something DC for once. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, again, not knocking Marvel by any means. I mean, Marvel's killing it right now. But, mm-hmm. um, so anyways, I digress. I just say, like, well, back to the Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Back to our regularly scheduled program. Ratcatcher 2 is... She was a really interesting character. Like, at first, I thought she was kind of like an annoying millennial type. Um, That's Yeah, that was my first thought. Yeah. But then, you know, as the character was more explored, I found a new respect for her. Um, I think mm-hmm. mostly because... How should I describe it? It's almost like she's not a bad guy per se. It's almost like she just has a few laps in ethics, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which, Which wasn't like her reason for being in prison. She like robbed a bank with rats. Yeah. But you got to keep in mind, I mean, her upbringing that she talks about, you know, her father was a heroin addict and they lived on the streets mm-hmm. and they had to steal things to survive. So that's what she knows. Um, it's not that she's like a bad person per se. It's just, again, like a lapse in ethics. Is what kind of got her into this situation. Also, I love um, Bloodsport's hate of rats. Oh yeah, that in the was... whole movie until the end, like mm-hmm. that was. Oh, I love that. Well, I think I think that was a really good, uh, really good character development tool because we know mm-hmm. from really early he hates rats, so he doesn't like Rat Catcher. But then again, it's like I don't know. It's sort of hard for me to put into words. But it's like his relationship with rats kind of marks his character development, um, which is interesting. And then it gives us that great scene at the end where, like, the rat just like lays on his leg and he just like yeah. taps it gently to pet it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was nice. It was a really, really good movie. Uh, one character I'd like to talk about a little bit more before we move on, though. Um, we talked about him a little bit, but Polka Dot Man. Um. Yes, um, I, the guy who plays him, it's like David, David something. Oh yeah, he's been in a David lot. David Dask something, yeah. He's been in a lot of superhero stuff. I mean, he's voiced multiple yeah, characters. Yeah, Ant-Man. Yeah, he was in Ant-Man. Um, uh, and Ant-Man Dark Knight. Dark I think. Yeah, he was in the Dark Knight. He was that crazy guy and in that scene. He played a villain in The Flash, too. Yes, um, Abracadabra, that's right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's he's a pretty good actor. Like, he's... I feel like there's so many actors that are really good that just aren't popular. Um, I would almost say that he's one of them because he's got, you know, really good range. Um, I've never seen him do any roles that I didn't like. I'll put it like that. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. I also, you know, we can't talk about, we can't talk about, um, what's his face? Polka Dot Man without talking about him seeing all the bad guys as his mom. I love that. Yeah. That, that was it funny. was such a ridiculous like part of his story that was just made no sense, but every time they put like 
I think it wasn't just bad guys. It was like everyone because the scene where he's in the club dancing and yeah. like everyone's his mom. Mm-hmm. It was just such a weird thing. It made it made no sense, but it just fit for the style of the movie. Oh yeah, definitely. But again, this kind of goes into what I was pointing out earlier about how characters that are ridiculous work best when they are portrayed as ridiculous. Um, uh-huh. And I think that's why I love the character so much because he was so weird and everyone knew he was weird and they they just how should I describe it? It just worked. I have no other way to describe it except for just saying that it worked. Yeah. But yeah, good stuff. My first favorite character was like King Shark in the movie because I love I like King Shark in the in the comics. I think he's cool. I'm also a big fan of fish and I like sharks. So oh, yeah. it's like King Shark, like the shark god. Uh, I can't think of like the shark god name he has. It. Uh, I can't remember. It's gonna bother me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's a demigod. He's the son of the shark god and like this random Hawaiian woman. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that's the origin they used in the movie. I don't think they specified exactly if they're using that origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I loved how Sylvester Stallone voiced him, and just his voice worked so perfectly for the stupidity of King Shark. Yeah. Like the like the, the fake mustache and like the hand. You know? Yeah. And like just trying to see him like attempting to be human was just really. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoyable to watch. Oh yeah, definitely. Now, I about- hated the scene when um all those weird fish, I don't know, jellyfish things or whatever yeah. were attacking. I was like, oh my gosh, he's gonna die. He's gonna die. I was freaking out in the theater. Oh, yeah. I was like, no, I was like, please no. Well, I was actually just about to bring that up because he. It's a shame because he's a very lovable character, but he gets the worst backstabbing out of any character from those little fish things. Yeah. Because, like, at first things they're his friends, but then they break out and the place starts flooding. They start eating him. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, again, watching it for a second time and going back, I'm thinking, like, how sad is that? Also in that big tower scene, I love how, like, they're all walking in the rain. That's, like, this epic shot. Then there's just, like, the driver, Milton, is just (laughs) walking with them also. Yeah. And then they're in the hall, and I think it's Polka Dot Man's, like, Milton's dead. And Bloodsport's just like, who's Milton? And like at the end, Harley Quinn thinks that Bloodsport's Milton. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, all the random like little callbacks and references was just. Oh yeah, definitely. That, that was so good. Oh yeah, I remember what I was gonna say. So I don't know if you're you caught on to this, but sitting there watching it again, I noticed that this is probably the goriest superhero movie I've ever seen. Um, not that it's the gory yeah, superhero content, but like in terms of a movie that was like in theaters, it was very. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was gory than like both Deadpool's. I would say. Oh yeah, because like the Deadpool's, the only gory you see is you know like people get shot and they get like cut and stuff. But like in this movie, you mm-hmm. had King Shark having this slow mo shot of him literally ripping a guy in half. Interesting. His yeah. are hanging across both pieces. Um. And then do you remember the clip when he bites off the guy's head? Yeah, and the guy's head eyes are still moving. Yes, that is very gory. Don't get me wrong; it all played into the aesthetic of the movie very well. But I mean, it is an R-rated film, so you know, Christian conservative parents do not let your children see this until they are of age and of sound mind. But anyways, I just have to bring that. I've got to put put my caution in there because it's a great movie, not for everybody. 
Also, another thing I don't want to overlook yet, but the villain of most of the movie until the big third act is actually the thinker. Yeah, which um, Peter Capaldi, the twelfth, yes. yeah, twelfth Doctor, twelfth Doctor. Which I remember seeing, I was like, oh, I haven't seen him in anything since Doctor Who. Oh yeah, and I think Peter Capaldi is another fantastic actor. So I'm just really glad to see him in something, especially something you know like that I'm into, you know, like DC. Um, which is pretty oh. interesting. I don't know if you knew this or not, but um. Peter Capaldi is actually in some way, shape, or form related to the uh, singer-songwriter Louis Capaldi. Did you know that? What? No. Yeah, I don't know what I don't remember what the relation is, but um, Peter Capaldi's in one of his music videos. Oh. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I don't really listen to Louis Capaldi, but I just remember somewhere seeing a clip from a music video, and I'm like, "Is that Peter Capaldi?" And then I was like, "Wait a minute!" And then I looked it up. But yeah, I, I think I think he was a good villain, um, at least for the first. You know, yeah, and then he didn't do a whole lot. Then of course we see like the actual villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that he was speaking, like this. The actual villain is Amanda Waller, but the villain they fight is Starro. Yeah, the actual. Then I guess the well, what was the was the Quartz Maltese? That was the name of the yeah yeah place, right? Mm-hmm. That's like some sort of like I think it started with like they were going to destroy the project and like because a dictatorship killed a family or something and took over the country. Something like that. Because then you have those um, freedom fighters like go in and like mm-hmm. retake control after the, the Suicide Squad kills Starro. And I love um, like half the freedom fighters are dead because the Suicide Squad killed them like <laughs> an hour earlier in the movie. Yeah, that was that was a pretty. Again, it was like dark humor, but it was very comedic. Um, and then also in that scene, you had another great part where uh, uh, Peacemaker and Bloodsport are trying to outdo each other. Yeah, like with all the different shots. Silent kills, which is, you know, pretty interesting. Um, Another thing I think is interesting, too. So, I don't know what you know about guns, but you know how there's that big scene, right, where uh, Bloodsport and uh, Peacemaker both shoot each other at the same time? And Peace... Not Peacemaker. Bloodsport's smaller bullet breaks the other one, right? That is actually... Yeah. that That would not happen in real life at all. Because if two bullets <laughs> shot each other, they would both just... Yeah, that's, but it looks cool. Yeah, I know. It does look cool. So, you know, I got it also, um, credit for that, at least. It finishes the thing where, like, Peacemaker was like, I use smaller bullets. And mm-hmm. Bloodsport's like, oh, really? And then just doesn't kill him, but mm-hmm. thinks he kills him. Yeah. Which I'm curious if... um, So Peacemaker's still alive. I wonder if him and Bloodsport will ever meet again. I never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. Well, and that'd be really interesting to see, too, come to bring it up, because, again, and I don't want to talk too much about Peacemaker, because we're not on to that yet, but after his character development in Peacemaker, I wonder if they'll, their dynamic is going to change at all? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure they still have grudges against each other, but Peacemaker's not some terrible bad guy anymore. Yeah, which, it's all, it was great. Well, yeah, I don't want to talk too much about Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. But, like, we see, like, in the movie, he's trying to save the file Rick Flag has mm-hmm. with, uh, like, Starro stuff and how, like, America was involved the entire time. Like, it was a whole, it would be a whole scandal in America and stuff. People found out, like, Peacemaker's, like, trying to stop that. But now that he's had, like, tons of character growth in his own show, like, his whole viewpoint from the Suicide Squad has changed. Oh, yeah, definitely. We don't want to get too much on that, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes, but anyways, again, great characters, great movie. Um, they use, okay, so... I keep thinking of things, and I keep thinking, okay, let's move on, because we're talking a lot about this. I think it's because we both like this movie so much. 
But Starro, let's just talk a minute about Starro the Conqueror. The uh, big bad guy, I suppose. The big fancy flashy one. Um, it wasn't really, as we know from the end, he wasn't really a bad guy. He didn't He didn't want to do all those things he did. It was just kind of his yeah. way of surviving. Well, you're right. Bad guy might not be a good terminology, but he was still a antagonist. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I think, I think it was very interesting. I do like that's one of the characters that they make a really big deal about. I feel like whenever Starro shows up in the comics, um, so part of me is a little disappointed with how the final battle played out. Um. Because the final battle is actually like kind of kind of short if you sit and think about it. Yeah, I guess it wasn't it wasn't that long, but I guess it, there was so much action like before, right before it. it mm-hmm. This kind of yeah, but um, I think so. There's like there's some good and bad with I think that final battle. The good was um, Harley Quinn fulfilling the prophecy with the javelin. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot, now I just thought of another thing we're gonna have to go back and talk about, but we'll get to there in a minute. Um. There's that. I do think it's gross that she was swimming around in that eye fluid. Oh, yeah. That, and then the rats coming in. That's like, oh, that grossed me out a lot. Yeah, that kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Um, but there's that. Um, and then Polka Dot Man dies, which that's a, that's a death that didn't really, like, mess with me emotionally. But I was like, I was just starting to like him. And then they killed him off. Yeah. I kind of wish I wish he stayed alive too, but mm-hmm. I guess it was not one of those things like you don't expect it. Yeah. Um, which one thing I almost want to say I liked in this film was that they killed off almost everyone. Yeah, it is the Suicide Squad for a reason. Yeah. Like again, I haven't finished the first Suicide Squad, but did they did they kill off? Like I know um, what's his face, the one guy with the bomb dies, and I know that Enchantress gets cured. But does anyone else die in that movie? Uh, I think just Slipknot, and then the was it Diablo was his that's his name. Yeah, the fire guy. The fire guy. I think was it. I no yeah, I think I'm pretty sure he dies. I haven't seen it probably since it was out. Okay, I don't blame you at all because it was not very good. The one point I want to go back and talk about though, because uh, this was probably my favorite action sequence of the whole movie, uh, when Harley Quinn was busting out of that uh that. What's it called? I don't want to call it a. J- I mean, I guess it's a jail. It wasn't really. J- yeah, I don't look. It was like a government building or something. Yeah. Anyway, she was busting out of there. Um. Well, I love that for two reasons. One, because the squad is coming to save her, and we get that hilarious scene where they they have this plan all executed and they're like starting it, and then right as they do, she shows up and she's like, "What are you guys doing here?" And I think I mentioned this before. I don't remember if I mentioned this in another podcast. Like, Harley Quinn is a great example of, like, a strong female character that's not trying to shove feminism down your throat so that, you know, she's, like, interesting and it doesn't feel like you're watching propaganda when she's doing her thing. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, so that whole fight scene, first of all, the choice of music, okay, Louis Prima, Just a Gigolo, I Ain't Got Nobody. Love that song. Great song. But then also... You know, as she's, you know, like, killing people and stuff, and the flowers going everywhere is just... It's very... Uh, very Harley Quinn-esque. Mm-hmm, exactly, and I just love that so much. Because, um, honestly, out of all the characters in that movie, that's the character that we have the longest relationship with as viewers. Yeah. 
because this is her third film she's been in, and yeah. everyone else. Have you seen um, Birds of Prey? Yes. Which I love. I love Harley Quinn in that too. I think it, that movie was great. See, again, I would disagree. We we can do a review on this sometime else, but Birds of Prey I thought was okay. I think obviously Harley Quinn was the best part of that movie. Um, thankfully she was. Yeah, it was pretty much her movie. Yeah, the, and uh, my biggest problem with that movie too was Black Mask. I think they did do him a little wrong. Like Ewan McGregor did an amazing role of Black Mask, Definitely. but they kind of just they did, they did him wrong by like just killing him off and didn't let him. He wasn't as menacing as he could have been. Oh yeah, definitely. And I'd never viewed Black Mask as this like bratty, like middle aged dude either. Yeah. Um. So it's like I think Ewan McGregor is awesome. I think he did a good job, I suppose. But the character itself just seemed really off, and I hated they killed him off because I think Black Mask is one of Batman's most underrated villains. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was disappointing. I feel like they had too many characters they were trying to set up and introduce, and they didn't give them a lot of love. Um, and the movie just felt really preachy, I think. Birds of Prey. Um, like, And again, I didn't dislike the movie per se, but compared to all the movies that I do like, it's probably toward the bottom, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I have to say, it's probably like... I love the... Um it's probably my favorite like interpretation of Harley Quinn so far. Oh yeah. And the DC like I love her in the Suicide Squad, but like I kind of like seeing her in solo. And I hope we get another solo thing with uh, Margaret Robbie playing. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, also, with the Harley Quinn cartoon, I think you know if they just made a Harley Quinn movie, and they just borrowed a lot of the same premise, I suppose, from the cartoon, you know, like, <clears throat> that would be phenomenal. But anyways, yeah, Harley Quinn, great character. That scene was awesome. In summary, I know we got on a bit of a tangent, but that's totally fine. I'm just making sure everyone remembers where this came from. But anyways, so uh, I think that's all I have for the Suicide Squad. Do you have any other thoughts or things you want to bring up before we move on, Colin? Yeah, I don't really have much more. Yeah, I'm trying to think. One more thing. Oh, I can get about to add his thought of something. Go ahead. Okay, so... uh, with um we see kind of like Amanda Waller sucked in the first Suicide Squad mm-hmm. but in this one she sucks even more mm-hmm. like as we see like even in the comics Amanda Waller's the villain the whole time mm-hmm. she's like sending this like um if you ever seen the Suicide Squad Hell to Pay the animated one I haven't seen that you see like um they're sent on a mission just to get this card to get Amanda Waller who's like dying out of hell mm-hmm. and like that's the whole mission really and, like, in this, like, we see Amanda Waller as a villain who's just, like, she's going to leave this whole, like, country to, like, die just because it wasn't part of their mission. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, she really sucks. And then she gets knocked out, of course. And we see the Suicide Squad finish the mission. Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll see how that ends in Peacemaker. Um, mm-hmm. Which, again, I have a lot I want to talk about Peacemaker. But, again, we'll get to that shortly. But um, something I thought of, too, from the big opening butchering, um, as I like to call it. There are actually two characters who didn't die that we assume died. One, I mean, is the obvious one, Weasel. Yeah. You know, we see in the end credit scene. Well, no, it's not even a credit scene. It's right before the credits. Um, he wakes up on the yeah. beach, he coughs the water like out of his lungs, and then he just gets up and walks away. Um, which that was funny, because Weasel is like a disturbing-looking character. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just want to see Weasel again, just because he's so weird. 
Um, but two, um, the detachable kid, TKD, Nathan Fillion. Oh yeah. Um, cause he never actually died. Um, when they show him on the beach, I don't think he has any, like, I think maybe he's like covered in blood and he's like knocked out. But I think if there's like a really yeah, quick shot where you can see like vitals and stuff for people and he's still alive, uh, his arms, I don't know how they're doing. Probably pretty bad. Um, but so we will, we'll most likely see those two characters at least pop up somewhere in the future. Probably mm-hmm. after that, any final thoughts before we go into the ratings? Uh, one last thing. I love um, how they showed like where they were and how, like what time it was in the movie with like the movie scenery. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like it would show like, the location or something with how like the scene was set up. I, yeah. That was one thing I really liked, and I just remembered. Yeah, the transitions. I couldn't think of the word. I love. Yeah, I liked how they were done. Oh yeah, that was a really nice artistic flair that was added. So, good stuff. Good stuff. So, Colin, do you have a one to ten ranking? Ten being Citizen Kane. One being. Something that is not Citizen Kane. I don't know. I can't think of a creative off the top of my head uh, thing to say right now. It's the same. I'd give it a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10? That's fair. I'd probably... I don't know if I'd give it a 9 or an 8 because I really liked it too. Um, it's like, again, my only real nitpick is with that final battle. Just being a little, like... It could have been a little better. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, mm-hmm. I'd probably give it an 8. Because here, here's why. I think some movies that are not quite perfect but are almost there would be a 9. And this one still feels like it's just a little short of that. So I give it an 8. You give it a 9. So what do we want to... I know you mentioned 8.5 for the Philly Neighborhood Podcast. The only thing is, though, I don't know if we want to bust in to start doing um halves or points on our scale. Um... I'm down halves. For, we should but... just allow halves. Only halves. Okay. That that sounds fair. That sounds fair. So, like like you said, almost reaches that like mark. Because yeah. so, I th- I think I would give it an eight point five if we're gonna do halves. I'd give it an eight point five probably. Okay. I'll settle with that. So, there you have it, everybody. The Suicide Squad gets an eight and a half from the Friendly Neighborhood Podcast. Anyways, after that, Colin, you got any closing remarks before we finish up this conversation? I got nothing. Alrighty. So, that being said, this has been your Friendly Neighborhood Podcast starring Kyle Swope and Colin Donato. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at FriendlyNeighborPod. The Spider-Man theme was originally composed by Bob Harris and covered by Jacob Swope for this episode. The Friendly Neighborhood Podcast is a Lumberjack Media production. Thank you guys for joining us. God bless you. God bless America. We will catch you guys next time.